Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast. I am Stray McKee here with my, my buddy, co-author, and partner in crime, Matt Fitzsimmons. Um, today, today, Matt, we're going to talk about entrepreneurs and looking after yourself. The whole, well, we'll call it that, not self-care. What do you think? I think that's a, a far better idea. Self-care is, is, is way too politically charged for me. It's not about as politically correct as a slap in the face. So, yep, I think it's a wonderful idea, but I think people probably get the gist that we're, we're talking about as, as, as an entrepreneur, and this is something that we probably don't do well, and I'm guilty of this. I'm sure you are to some extent. Uh, there's a, a lot of people who be listening to this podcast um, actually sitting there going, yeah, I could probably do a whole lot better than that. Um, well, and we're going to get away as well from the usual stuff, right? I'm not going to tell you to go for a bike ride or a walk or a forest bath or whatever. And you know all those things already. <clears throat> so what else? What else can people do that isn't, you know, the top three things or five things clickbait they're going to read on LinkedIn or Facebook or somewhere else? Well, I, th I think before we get into this, I just, I just want to like, Steve and I come from different perspectives. Um, I live in New Zealand. <laughs> Um, and 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 studies in San Fran, and and so we have different holidays for one. Um, your employees here in New Zealand get a mandatory four weeks per year, plus they get about twelve or thirteen public holidays on top of that. So they're getting the best part of six and a half, maybe seven weeks of uh, of time off mandated throughout the year. And if they have to work on those holidays, um, on the public holidays, then they get paid. Uh, considerably more mandated by law for that. So built into our system is a, an enforcement of, um, uh, of of holidays and that type of thing. It's also part of our culture. Um, our summer, which is uh, towards the end of the the, the calendar year, uh, is typically warmer, and we end up taking time off, going to the beach, and um, that type of thing. So studio, fundamentally, we come from different different perspectives when it comes to this. However, we're both working we both work in business and we both deal with people who who tend to ignore uh public holidays and time off and that sort of thing because they're, they're building their business and they're, they're spending their, their time and effort and energy on doing that so really the question is what do you need to do to look after yourself beyond have more holidays and go to cancun and you know all that sort of stuff so, um, right right which which like you say steady and, and, and you're absolutely right to, to point it out mate um it's it should be obvious that you need to take a break and and that sort of thing. Um, I think though, and and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I think that, and and you and I, we, we know we have holidays on a relatively regular basis. I think though, having a break gives you time to distance yourself from your business and objectively look back at it. I, I think that's really really healthy. So actually taking time off, please do it. And the reason for it is not just rest and reju rejuvenation. It's the ability to look back at your business and go, am I even on the right path? <laughs> am I even heading and heading in the right direction? Okay. Um, so, um, and, and I do that every time I jump on a plane to go somewhere uh, internationally, I, as soon as those wheels lift off the ground, I mean, and, and from New Zealand, it's, <laughs> we go anywhere, it's a 12 hour flight. <laughs> um, you get a lot of time to think about stuff. <laughs> Um, you know, taking time out just to, to have a look at your business and that sort of thing. But but let's get back to the topic at hand, which is how do you look after yourself uh, and some more practical things, which aren't maybe as obvious as, hey, have a break and have a whole lay and that sort of stuff, which you should be doing anyway. Yeah, so that's the question I just posed to you. What 
what would you recommend? What I recommend, um, personally, what I do is I schedule um, what I call thinking time. And, and thinking time for me could be taking three or four hours to finally read that book that's been sitting on the side of my bed for so long and um, and gathering dust because I'm too busy doing things. Um, thinking time is actively taking time out, and it can be as simple as taking a walk around a lake um, or, or you know, a, a big walk somewhere, but actively scheduling in time to, to go and just decompress from the day-to-day the -day, um, and, and do that. So that's one of the things that I would absolutely recommend is scheduling time to to do that big thinking stuff and get out of the business. Um, and when I say scheduler, I mean, like every other week I do this. I take uh, three hours, normally three and a half, four, maybe four hours at the most. I like going for a walk um, and and thinking about the big stuff. Because sometimes, as you know, Steve, you, know, you get caught up in the in the in the day to day in the 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 rhythm of of business and life and that sort of thing, and actively taking time out to do some quality thinking is is really relaxing and, and cathartic because typically you're not under pressure. Typically, you're thinking about bigger issues than you can when you're in the heat of the action. Um, I find it really therapeutic. So, so that's that. That would be my first recommendation: is schedule some time out away from the business. Um, okay. So there are going to be a lot of folks, and I've been here where you hear that it sounds good, but you're like, "How in the world can I possibly do that?" So I'm going to give you three things that you can start to do that will allow you an hour to go away from the office or whatever. Okay. The first one is write down your goals. Okay, because we are too often caught up in the day-to-day. -day. We're so busy with the activities and the work that we don't ever stop. And I'm projecting a little bit here from the past, but what I found is uh, a big bump in sanity and focus if I document or write down the top three things we're currently working on, whether that's this month or this quarter or whatever, um, or this week, or even today, right? But putting those things down, like on paper, right? Whether that's like Google Doc or whether that's like a note, you know, post-it note or a piece of paper, whatever. But you write it down so it's real and it's tangible and it's in front of you. And then look at all the stuff you're doing today and put it through the filter of, does this move me closer to my goal? And that's super simple, but you might be shocked at how many things you look at on your list that you think you have to do that are super urgent or important or whatever, that when you put them through the filter of, does this move me closer to my goals? The answer is no. And if that's the case, or you know, scratch it off your list. The other things you can do with that, just real simply, is there anybody you can delegate it to? I need to set up an email, automated email thing. I don't have anybody on my team who can do that. I just looked on Fiverr and went, oh, somebody will do that for, you know, 40 or 50 bucks, right? I give them the content. I've already, you know, this is the problem. I've already got some of the email copy written. <clears throat> I haven't put it into the automated process yet. For 50 bucks, I can have somebody else do that. And, and it's not even the cost of it, like $50, oh, I should do it myself or whatever. It's, I haven't done it. It's been sitting there for a couple months, yeah. right? So get it off the plate and then it's not taking up mind space. It's not stressing you out. 
Because my guess is, if you're like me, a lot of folks, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that stresses you out is things that you know you should do that you haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a, a big one. Okay. The other thing is um, budget, like to Matt's point, you kind of budget your time, you schedule, schedule mini breaks. They've done studies on work. They've done studies on studying, where if you study for 30 minutes and you take a five-minute break and do something you like, by the way, right? If I mean, if washing the dishes is something you like, then go do that. If you want to walk the dog, go do that. If you want to play a quick game or puzzle, or if you want to just you know read an article or listen to music, but do something rewarding, something fun, something that you like, and you'll maintain your energy levels when you go back to it, rather than kind of trailing off. Because, you know, your sixth hour of work is not nearly as productive as your first 30 minutes, right? So by taking those mini breaks, you know, you could get six hours of work in or five and a half hours in six hours where um, you actually <clears throat> are getting more done per, you know, per time. So that's another one. So number one goals, number two, mini breaks. And number three, I'm going to share a couple of stories with you. Uh, because number three is teaching your people what to do, okay? And what I mean by that is documenting your processes and getting things down and getting people trained. We went this past Sunday, we dropped my um, one of my sons off at his soccer match and then went to go um, run an errand and get coffee. We went to a shishi, you know, fancy little coffee place because I knew it was going to take a little bit longer, but, but uh, the quality and it was a little treat on a Sunday morning, what have you, right? There were six people working there, Matt, and they're super intent on their product and process and whatever, right? So there's a guy doing alkaline water with a Japanese process, and there's another guy doing the pour-overs and stuff, and there's somebody in the back working on measuring everything out. One person was facing the customers, and she was completely untrained and didn't know what she was doing. And the rest, and you're shaking your head right now, it <laughs> happens way too often, right? We ordered, I want, a, I want a quick cup drip coffee with regular milk. My wife orders an Olay. She rings us up for a latte. And I said, oh, you're getting a latte, not an Olay. And she's like, oh, no, I'll get you the Olay. I'm like, okay. She then walked over, and we were kind of eavesdropping, and she asked somebody, what's an Olay? <laughs> she's working the front on a Sunday morning at a coffee shop a fancy coffee shop and doesn't know what a cafe au lait is, right? So, I mean, that should have been covered. She also didn't really know how to use the um, interface and she was the one running around fulfilling the, the drinks while five other people were there doing stuff that wasn't urgent with a line forming at the front, right? And initially my wife starts getting upset with her and I'm like, you know what, it ain't her fault. It's not her fault that she isn't trained, right? That goes back to the manager and the owner and, and all that they didn't train her. And then they stuck her in a position where she, I mean, eventually, I'm sure somebody's going to complain. People are going to get upset. You know, that, and, and by the way, the kicker, my coffee wasn't even hot. Ooh, yeah, that hurts. That's, that's the you kicker because that's the proof in the pudding. That's the, that's the moment of truth, isn't it? Right. Well, 10 bucks for two coffees and, you know, it's not even hot when you walk out and then there's a line and i'm like she's you know anyway um so all that happened and you're sitting there looking at it again from our perspective it's a process issue right then there was there was another time by the way another coffee shop this is interesting to me anyway that, that it's coffee shops but 
there was a, a black uh, female owned coffee shop that opened down in the South Bay and uh, here where my wife grew up. And she's like, oh, that's great. I want to support a minority female owned business. I'm going to go there. She took my daughter. They went in, they ordered. And she's and my wife asked, well, so what, uh, you know, what, what do you like? What's your favorite? And do you know what the response was? I shudder to think. Oh, I don't really like coffee. She works in a coffee shop. I don't really like coffee. And by the way, even if you don't, okay, you could answer with, well, right, don't tell anybody that, right? But you could answer with, well, what's really popular is this or this, or people seem to really like this one, right? You don't even have to offer up, I don't like coffee. And again, a little, you know, boutique kind of place. Well, what's your favorite drink? Oh, I don't really like coffee. Why do you work here? <laughs> really? Well, and, and who trained you? Mm. Right? Because guess what? In both those instances, right? And, uh, you know, the owner's going to have to deal with complaints, bad reviews, fallout, the stress of like what's going wrong when the answer was super simple. Mm. Right? I mean, five minutes of training could have fixed the second one, 30 minutes or an hour of training could have fixed the first one. And why, and by the way, if that person isn't trained, why are you putting them in front customer facing? Yeah. That's where they can do the most damage. The most then, damage, yes. yes yeah, and it's that old adage, there's never time to prepare, but there's always time to fix the problem, where you're creating more problems to be fixed. There are enough problems in your business, right? What I think you've said though, and you've illustrated really well is, um, going back to your point about training staff and having systems, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's it's true that we harp on about this, but but this is if it, if this isn't the most important thing that an owner of a small business can do, then I don't know what is is having systems and training your team because you can't get away from any business unless you've got a team who can operate without you. If it's if it's reliant on you for everything, um then it's not a business, it's a job. You're just probably getting paid very little to actually do this job. So what is the most important priority for an owner to do? Get performance through their team. How do you do that? Well, you have systems and processes and you train people and you coach them and help them and all that good stuff that we we keep up and on about. But well, yeah, I I run into this so many times and you can tell me your experience with it. But um, if, you know, talk to owners about they're hiring someone, what's your training process? Well, we're going to have them shadow the other person who does that job. That is a terrible training process. It's not a process. No, it's it's hoping for the best. We're going to yeah. put them in contact with somebody who's going to do the job in front of them and probably not explain things very well and not teach them how to prioritize and not explain the steps involved in it. Um, right. So so the step number one is write that stuff down. And you don't by the way, you don't even have to write it down as the owner. You can have the people who do it write it down, or you can have the novice, the new person, write it down. So as they're shadowing, right, whether that's a phone call or that's entering stuff into the register or, you know, getting the coffee or whatever it is, have that person stop after each, you know, completing the process and write down the steps. Because with fresh eyes, with a new perspective, they're going to be more thorough about it anyway. Yeah, that's that's a, a really great idea. Um, which I, by the way, I had a client who has made use of that since the last time we spoke, because 
actually getting the novice to write it down means that person's coming in with a blank sheet of paper. And um, mm-hmm. a client of mine, engineering right. firm, they had a new guy arrive um, and they we literally asked this guy, hey, can you capture what this other guy does um, uh, when he goes through doing a job? The purpose wasn't to capture it because we already knew what he did. The purpose was that this guy was consciously observing what was going on and, and capturing it right now down on paper. Um, and interestingly, we didn't tell him, or well, the company I work with, work with didn't tell him that we had already captured what this guy uh, was doing. And we wanted to compare notes to see if he had picked up on everything that this guy was doing. So at the end of the, the first week, they went back and did a debrief and go, okay, so what did you observe? And he observed this and that and every other thing. And they said, oh, did you see this? And he goes, no, I didn't see that. Okay, that's cool. And so they they then put both sets of notes together and um, and went forward on that. And another thing, by the way, this is related, but but not necessarily related to to um, uh, the, the subject of the day. But um, when you've got a new person on, on deck and you're training people on systems and processes, don't put them with the slowest person. Put them with a, <laughs> the most efficient and productive worker. The person who's well, going to set, set the standard for this is what performance looks like in our business. Hang on. That is totally related to what we're talking about. Okay, because when you set standards and expectations and you set them too low, you're creating more work for yourself again. Right. And you've hired these people to do a job. So that's the other thing. One of the things that documenting the process and giving them that and making sure they're up to speed on it is so that you don't have to be over their shoulders. So you don't have to make the corrections. So you don't have to run over and refund a customer their money or deal with an angry client or referral source or whatever because expectations weren't met. Mm. Right. So again, a little bit of prevention, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. Love that phrase because it's so true and we see it play out all the time. So, so I love those. I love those three things, mate. Um, They are absolutely bang on the money. And another thing to, to think about when you're sitting there trying to justify, um, how you should be spending more time getting performance out of your staff is think about it this way. There's, there's three levels of jobs. They used to be called $10, uh, $10 an hour jobs or $10 jobs, $100,000 right. $1, jobs. As an owner, you should be looking at what you're doing and going, okay, sometimes we have to do $10 jobs. I get that. Sometimes we yeah. do. But that should not be the majority of your day. You should be spending your, your day doing the $100 and the $1,000 uh, value jobs. And, or and think about the $10,000 jobs. Or the, the $10,000 jobs, well, yes. But, but it's funny because it's not that hard to find those. And it's not that you're going to be doing it all the time, okay? In most instances in a small business, you're not, you're not doing $10,000 an hour work 40 hours a week, right? But if you've neglected and you don't do it, an hour a week, you know, strategy day, once a quarter, those kinds of things, those are the ones that are going to set you up, you know, to pay back over and over and over. So that's strategic work, you know, designing your menu, okay, mm-hmm. documenting your processes that are going to convert into paying customers, um, looking at a new offering and deciding which one of these three options you're going to, you know, pursue. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've laid this stuff out, right, in, in the book, but um, so Matt just held up the best small business in the world book. Uh, but at the same time, being deliberate about that and right, you know, I, I took, I made a spreadsheet for my clients and we started putting down 10, 100,000 and 10,000. 
And, you know, nobody believes they're doing any $10,000 work initially, right? But yeah. when you do a strategy day for the next quarter that's going to pay you or you're figuring out a professional uh, person's compensation structure and the revenue or you're deciding on signing or not signing a new contract, all that stuff is $10,000 an hour work. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't agree more. The um the interesting thing about this is that as owners, we we tend to go in and and fight fires and and do what's yes. urgent. You know the old urgent important thing. And I would totally. argue that 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 the 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 ten thousand dollar an hour stuff, even the thousand dollar an hour stuff, doesn't get done because the urgent stuff just pushes its way to the front of the queue, and. Yep. We see that as being the most important thing. And we see that we're the only people who are able to do that stuff, that really urgent stuff. And so we have to do it. And then I, I love the idea of what you were just talking about, because uh, there's a thing called the personal effectiveness maximizer. And, and that's it's basically a process where you put down what you do every 15 minutes of the day for a whole week. And then you go through and you mm. put a dollar value next to the um, um, the action or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. I also take that to another level and going, how long will the impact on the business be for whatever you did? In other words, if I serve somebody a coffee, the impact on the business will be in that minute because you you, know, you serve a coffee. Well, it could if last a week or two if you <laughs> screw it up. <laughs> um, and if you're doing sort of stuff, working through the best small business in the world, for example, well, that should have you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 year impact on your business. Right. So right. the dollar value is one. Also the, the, the length of the, the impact that your action will have on the business. Training right. is one of those things that yes. will have this everlasting impact on your business. Yes. And it doesn't have to be you that does it because you can train people to train. Right, right. And as simple sometimes as is putting things in your playbook, organizing the playbook, um, you know, as straightforward, if you have somebody who's shown you or you walked through it, you've been taught, it, it sometimes it feels pretty tedious. But the way I get through that kind of stuff is what you just said, Matt. You know, sitting here writing this down step by step, it, it this is not what I love to do, right? It's not what I am super excited to get up in the morning and, oh, I get to write down processes. No, but, <laughs> right? But. I know if I do that and I do it well, and by the way, you can do a bunch of different formats. You can record the step-by-step. -step. You can, you know, you, you can write it down literally. You can do whatever. But by doing that, that's something that's going to last for the next year, two years, five years, or beyond, right? So yeah. I went through like this repetitive stuff in the recruiting uh, agency I'm starting Right. I have to we have to onboard the employers into the applicant tracking system and have the companies and all that stuff. So I recorded a, a four minute loom on take it from the intake you know, form that they fill out and put it over here. And this is how you put it in there. And da, 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 right. And then, you know, shared that and the log information with my daughter. And she's now doing that. And she's done it successfully multiple times based off. I now have a process. Right. I add that to my playbook. When I hire somebody, you know, down the road, and that's part of their job description, we've already got the process documented in place, and I don't have to do it every day, right? Or I don't have to do it over and over. So I'm doing the stuff that's customer-facing, that's talking to the candidates, talking to the employers, and some of the data, you know, not all yet, but some of the data entry and the other stuff is offloaded, you know, 
someone else who can do it. And and by the way, do it at flexible hours, do it when they when they can, you know, all that kind of stuff. So get some stuff off your plate. And you just mm-hmm. said this, like we get caught up in that busy, busy, um, you know, putting out fires. Part of it's kind of needed, needing to be needed. Yeah, yeah. There's an identity. We're all component. guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is though. And I, I, as you said, we're all guilty of it. I've been through that. You know, there's an importance factor when I'm the hero and I'm saving the day, right? But what I would urge all of you is be a little less hero and a little bit more of the, you know, clerk bureaucrat at the beginning, so you don't have to go in and be the hero. One of the um, the best businesses um, that I had is a motorcycle shop, and. We, for the first couple of years of working together, we I struggled to get him to understand the importance of him not being the the head of sales, the the, the top sales guy. And he was like, but, but I really like it. I really like it. I really like it. You know, I, and I want to keep doing it. And I, I said, I, I get it because that's what made him successful in the first place. Um, right. I, I right. said to him, trust me, we'll get some other people. We'll train them. And, and it's taken us a, a while to find the right people and to train them the way that we want them. Now he has these things, those amazing things called holidays. And he hadn't had holidays for so long. And, and now he can <laughs> have a holiday. These amazing things called holidays. Yeah. It's, it was unheard of. And, he, and he's, we've got a, um, so it's, it's uh, at the start of October when we're recording this. Uh, next year, he's taking off, I think it's 12 weeks in the middle of the year to go and do the El Camino Trail. Um, and, and doing that, and he's, he's like, this is ridiculous. I can't take off 12 weeks. And so he sat down with a leadership team in his business, which he never used to have because the leadership team was him. Now he has a leadership team. And they right. all said, we want you to go. And, and, and he sort of saying, you don't want me here? And they're, and they're all like, so like, nah, we can do without you. It's all good. You go for your whole life. And they were kicking him out of his own business. And he was like, oh. Well, that's, sure but that's, that. <laughs> well I, yeah, for sure. But that's a milestone, you know, oh, um, yeah. that process I just briefly described of writing down your goals and then putting it through the filter and then delegating what you can, by the way, scheduling is another one, get it. You know, if it can be scheduled and put on your calendar, then it's not on your immediate to-do list. You, your to-do list gets shorter and shorter. And when I started doing that process religiously, you know, every day, um, I went from 12-hour days to being done basically around 2.30. And I remember it was around 2.30 because I would start wandering around the office, right? I had done the stuff. And my team was doing the same thing, you know, that not holiday necessarily at that point. But they were like, what are you doing? Like, well, do you need anything? What are you guys doing? What do you, you know, and they're like, are, what, are you, what are you doing? This is weird. Right? <laughs> and like, well, I'm, I'm done. Like, you're finished with all the things you need to do? I'm like, yeah. Like, well, leave. Like, what do you mean leave? I can't leave. My, you know, I, I'm usually here till seven at night. I can't, you know, I can't go yet. Right. And then they're like, yeah, get out of here. We don't, you know, we're good. Go. Yeah. So then I started. And of course, my wife, who was always upset that I was, you know, coming home at 730 or eight o'clock at night was like, well, three, three is a little too early. <laughs> right, you got to find a hobby. Some time without you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't mean this early. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, but. Isn't that interesting though? That because you had some extra time, and 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 we were probably working together around this time. So so what I saw, I, and I recall you know, it. A little. Yeah, bit. I I recall it because 
you had all this time to think about and think deeply about what did you want your business to become and 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 how was it going to get there and because you weren't working flat out on the on the urgent stuff that needed you needed you in your mind anyway to do this stuff um because you didn't need to do that you can spend your your mental energy on something that's going to have a long-term impact on the business which is fabulous um and i do recall having that conversation with you it's like when are you going to find time it's just like yeah i'll, I'll be off at two today so you know yeah, we'll be able to time. figure it out then and, right i'd already kind of solved the first step of that but that also brings up the importance of you know i know we plugged this in the past too but get an accountability get a coach get somebody else that you guys can talk to um that will help you prioritize and really hold that mirror up and ask you the tough questions sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes our business partners don't do that and our spouses certainly don't want to do that. Um, yeah. Or maybe we don't want to hear it if they do, right? And there's, um, and your employees very rarely will, will do that. So it's a different kind of relationship, you know, mm -hmm. and one that is safe, right, for you and for the person who's kind of challenging you. Um, but a lot, helping you to prioritize, helping you to stay on track, really asking those questions, you know, focusing on that, that breakdown of the $10,000, $10,000 hour work, right? Getting clarity and, um, you know, sometimes the work we do as coaches sometimes will feel a little bit mundane too, but then you realize, well, hang on, we're building the processes that are going to last for the next decade. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um... And and that, that that thing there, I think I think you hit a, a really key point there is you're building things that will last in your business for a decade, maybe two decades, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and that's great use of your time. Um and, yeah. and we don't we don't spend enough time doing that. And I'm as guilty as anybody else at times of actually I think to myself, I'll I'll just I'll just do it. I'll put it on my to-do list and I'll eventually get around to doing it and going, is this a good use of my time? One of the one of the decisions I've had to make right. recently. Right. Is I'm I'm redesigning my website, mattfitsimmons.com. And should I be the person who who does all of that? Well, I've got to do some of it because it's me. It's my website. I, I get that. But right. am I the right person to lay it all out and make it look pretty and that sort of stuff when I don't have the foggiest? Actually, what that... Because of your background is. in graphic design. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you heard about that, huh? <laughs> Um, and so is, is that a good use of my time? No, that's the worst use possible of my time. That's, that's as bad as time management will ever get. So Tegan, um, my, my, my graphic designer, who's just like a genius at this, um, she just billed me for three hours work of which I had already spent about 20 hours getting it wrong. She spent three right. hours to make it right. And it was done. And it was like, cool. Okay. So can I press play yet? She goes, no, nah, I need another couple of hours, then it's done. I'm like, only another couple of hours? She goes, yeah. Like, I've been struggling with this website for, for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Virtually in five hours worth of work, it's going to be sorted. And it's kind of embarrassing because well, I, coach, I coach for a living, right? I should know this stuff. but we, Well, this we, is the physician yeah. heal thyself thing too. Like, you know, yes, we yeah. all need that second set of eyes. Um but I, I mean, you're just making me think about the book again, too. Like we wrote the content. You're a terrible editor, right? I went through <laughs> and did the editing. I, I, I do that. But neither one of us, right? Well, you had great ideas around the design, but the designers really took it to another level, right? And if I, I, there's no way I could have done that part, like we would still be working on it and it would look <laughs> terrible, right? So um, 
Yeah, finding the people, uh, that's another thing I've done with clients is gone through strengths finders or some other tools as well to like get a breakdown of the whole team on all the 34 or whatever strengths that Gallup has there. And then like, what are the top five? And then that delegation thing comes back to that too. So delegation doesn't just mean, by the way, here's a a great nugget, a self-care insight for all of you. Doesn't mean telling the people below you what to do. Okay, it means finding the right person who loves to do it and can do it better, that wants to do it and agrees to do it, to do it, right? So I, you know, I am perfectly happy. You know, when I had fifty employees, somebody delegating to me as the CEO, if it was something I really like to do, like, hey, could I get your help with this? Would you do? I'm like, yeah, you know, but was one of my top strengths. It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to do that anyway. And it's going to be very natural and it'll be quick and probably get a decent result. Right. So um, when you're able to leverage tools like that and kind of map it out and figure out who does what really well, or who's kind of, that's their natural tendencies or their natural strengths, you will find that you're, you know, so many of the things, but also the fulfillment of the work that's being done is so much higher because it's something you, you know, you and your people enjoy doing. Yeah. And it's playing to your strengths. It's doing all those sort of good things that we preach about all the time. So, yeah. um, well, so. and playing to your strengths, let's take one last little moment on that. <clears throat> I love this idea. See, because school has us do the opposite very often, right? And, and, and I, and my parents were teachers and, you know, I've thought a lot about the education systems. I did really well at some points and I didn't at other points, right? Um, but very often school instructors will try to have you work on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And and here's an extreme example. I was I Matt, I was I was in my third college, okay, and my mother was still sending me handwriting books. Wow. Because my handwriting is terrible. Okay. Now, ironically, I was in China and my Chinese handwriting wasn't so bad, which was very interesting, right? I got complimented. Not, not at all helpful, I, but interesting. <laughs> well, not here, but but very interesting in that like I had never been complimented on my handwriting before, like ever, 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 right? And even in the early stages of writing characters, it was like, oh, that's very nice. You know, you're very good for a beginner. And then as it got better, you know, it was like, really? Because that was completely, I mean, you're shifting context, so so whatever. But the, the point being, if I can print or I can type, why would I try writing and getting better and better at that? Because the, the best I could ever hope for is to be kind of sort of good enough. Mm-hmm. The best I could hope for in that and working on that weakness was mediocrity. Yep. And if you take your strengths and you dial that up and you have everybody working and playing to their strengths, that's when you can really start to move outside the bell curve and you can really start to achieve excellence. Mm. Yeah. But um, I'll give you a, another story, an old story of mine from years ago. So I used to work with a group of doctors and um, they, they had a practice. Well, they had four practices and um, they were brought up in doctor's school uh, in the doctor's school of, of writing, which is kind of like hieroglyphics. Um, I know what it's like in the States, but when a doctor in New Zealand writes out a prescription, it used to be that they would just put the scribble on the, on the thing. And it was just, honestly, it was just a wavy line. There were, there were no, there were no, obvious letters or exactly. there was no word and they would put like 
times four or something like this at the bottom. And so you just see this, <laughs> this wavy line times four, and then they'd sign it, which was just a, <laughs> another mark across the paper. And the um, I said, oh, what are you prescribing me? And he goes, oh, it's it's amoxicillin or it's whatever it was. It was you know just a, just a drug of some type. And I go, and he goes, would you rather I'm a good doctor or a good writer? And I said, good writer. I just hope the person that can read it is a good reader because I don't want them to give me something else. Hey, all your hair's going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, well, but, yeah. but that's a they, good illustration. <laughs> but that's a good illustration of needing to be good enough at something, but you really want excellence in, in another another area. Yeah. Right. So look after yourself as an owner. I mean, if we're going to summarize this conversation, yeah. it's look after yourself by doing whatever it is that you need to do and make sure that you're spending your time doing it. But get your business to facilitate you to have that time. And the way to do that is really what we're focused on today is training your team, having systems and processes, making sure that you're spending your time justifiably doing the things that you should be doing and what an objective third party would sit there and go, yep, that's a really good use of, of Bob or Mary's time. Um, and, and then when you're not essential, do like sturdy and go, okay, I'm going to go. It's 2.30. My, my work here is done. Um, and, well, and yeah, and finally, take, take those mini breaks. So when you've been at something for 30, 40, 50 minutes you know, or longer, a five-minute walk outside in the sunshine or, you know, pet your dog or, you know, watch a video or something can reset you to be more productive for the next the next bout of work. Yeah. And and physical exercise, um, I mean, you, you, you know, you've been in the medical totally. industry, you know how important it is. Physical exercise is great for the brain because it oh. gives you some freedom to really think. And for me, I, I like mountain biking and, and going for walks in the forest and, and, and that sort of thing. So for me, that's how I do it. How you do it is, is totally up to you. Maybe it's a walk around the block. Maybe it's go find a park and sit under a tree or, or whatever it is. But whatever it is, make damn sure you do it. <laughs> Right. Knowing is not enough. It is the doing that matters, right? Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope this was useful and helpful. And you can always hit us up with your questions, comments, concerns. Or, um, we'll have the contact information in the notes.